and he calls together three of his servants. You can follow along there uh, as I kind of paraphrase. He calls together three of his servants. To one he gives five talents, to another he gives two, to another he gives one. A talent, in today's terms, if you were to price a talent, how much a talent was worth, it's about $624,000 is one talent. So this guy says to his servants, the one he says, I'm going to give you five talents, it's about $3.1 million. I'll give you $3.1 million to be in charge of while I'm gone. To another, he says, I'll give you about $1.2 million to be in charge of while I'm gone. To the other, he says, I'll give you $624,000 to be in charge of while I'm gone. I want you to be faithful with it. I want you to be good stewards of it. So the one guy with five goes out and he invests it and he works it and he doubles his money. He goes from 3.1 million to about 6.2 million. The guy with two talents takes his 1.2 million, invests it and works it and he ends up with 2.4 million. The guy with $624,000 says, man, my master's, he's a taskmaster. If I lose any of this money, he's, he's going he's gonna to hurt me. Tell you what, I'm going to take this $624,000. I'm just going to stick it in my sock drawer. So he takes it and he sticks it in his sock drawer. Master comes back, calls him to an account, says, hey, what'd you do? Let's see what you did. The guy with five talents, the guy with $3.1 million comes to him and says, look, I took you 3.1. I got you 6.2. Yeah, way to go. Well done, good and faithful servant. The next guy comes in. I took your 1.2 million. I doubled it 2.4 million. Yes! Let's see, that's up 3.1 and 2.4. I'm up 5.3 million dollars. I'm in the money. I'm in the money. Well done, good and faithful servant. Last guy comes in. He's thinking, all right. First guy doubled. Second guy doubled. Maybe another $624,000. All right. Guy comes in and says, hey, you know, I know that you are, you're, you're a hard man. I know that you are uh, very diligent. You work hard for what you got. I didn't want to let you down. So here's your $624,000. What? You knew I was a hard man. You knew that I worked hard, that I have so I have reaped where I have not sown. Oh, you wicked, lazy servant. Cast him out. I don't want anything to do with him. In fact, and take that, take that money that he had, that $624,000 he had, and give it to the guy who doubled his money and, and got me another $3.1 million. Give it to him. I want to focus on those words that he said to those two faithful servants. Well done good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. When I get to the end of my life, when I stand before God as my judge, when I stand before Jesus, I want to hear those words. Well done, good and faithful servant, Sean. Well done. I gave you responsibilities I gave you a task. I gave you a race to run, and you ran it well. Well done, good and faithful servant, Sean. And I don't know about you. I pray that that is the, the desire of your heart is to hear those words as well. Do you all know the story of the Washington Monument? The story of the Washington Monument goes like this. In 1836, there was a guy named Robert Mills, and he came up with the design. 
to build the Washington Monument. 555 feet tall. It is the tallest masonry structure in the world. 555 feet. It did not get off to a very good start. The society that was putting it together, that was collecting the funds, they weren't very good at raising funds. Construction didn't even start until 12 years after the plans were approved. It took 12 years to raise the funds just to get the thing started. In 1854, this is 18 years later, it's still not completed. and They're still working on it. They're still trying to get this thing built. Pope Pius IX, out of the Temple of Concord, took a large marble block and donated it for the construction of the Washington Monument. It was promptly stolen by thieves and busted all up. So here we are, 18 years later, still no monument. By the time Robert Mills died uh, and construction had stopped in 1855, now we're 19 years out, construction had stopped, and by the time he died, all that was there was a 150-foot ugly stump of limestone. But people weren't going to let his vision die. People weren't going to let the Washington Monument go. They wanted to see it done. They wanted to persevere. They wanted to press on. They had a vision. 25 years after it started, 25 years after, the, after Robert Mills died, construction began again. They started building. They started working. They started completing it. 54 years after it started, the dream was completed. And you have the 555-foot limestone structure known as the Washington Monument. And it's beautiful. I've been there. It's gorgeous. But it took 54 years to get this thing built. But it was a dedication to a vision. It was a dedication to a dream. It was finishing a race. It was winning a goal. It was getting a prize. And the prize is the Washington Monument. Now, there are two things that I want to talk about when it comes to finishing because like I said, it doesn't matter how you start. Everybody's excited when they start. They were excited when they started the Washington Monument. It's how you finish. Are you going to finish faithfully? Two things I want to talk about. Two aspects of finishing faithfully. One, the first is, to finish faithfully, we must live faithfully. We have to live faithful lives. The, the word faith means trust or trustworthy. We have to live lives that we have been entrusted with faithfully. That means uh, for implications and application, maybe you're a student. Maybe you're a student. How can you be faithful with the brain that God has given you by studying, by working hard at your studies, by being diligent in your studies, whether you're in college, whether you're in high school or junior high? If you're going to be a good student, if you're going to live a faithful life, you've got to be a good student. Maybe an employee... How many of you have jobs? A lot of people have jobs. How many wish you had a job? How many wish you had a different job? I was thinking about this as far as employees go. We're very, very fickle people, aren't we? We pray. Lord, you, maybe you graduate from college. Maybe you get out of high school, whatever. Lord, give me a job. God says, oh, Sean, I have the perfect job for you. Here's your job. Thank you, God, for this job. I go to work. I hate my job, God. Why did you give me this stinking job that I hate so much? Now, this is not me talking. I love my job. My job is great. I do what I love, which is get up here and talk. You know, this is, my, this is what I love to do. 
But we'll pray, Lord, give me a job. And then all we do is complain about it. We complain about our coworkers. We complain about our bosses. We complain about the menial tasks we have to do. We complain about the paycheck that's not enough. We complain and complain and complain and complain about the thing that God has given us. That is not being faithful with the job that he has given to us. That is not being uh, a trustworthy and trusted steward of what God has given to us. Rather than complaining the whole time, let's make it better. How can we make this job better? How can I be a shining example of Jesus Christ in my workplace? Rather than backbiting and backstabbing and gossiping and complaining, I'm going to make this place better. How can you be a faithful employee? How can you be a faithful spouse? Again, it comes down to complaining. Complain about your wife. Complain about your husband. Can't believe she did this. Can't believe he does that. Why can't he pick up his socks? What? Touch a nerve? (laughs) I hear giggles. Why can't she do this? Why can't he do that? Why does he do this? Why does she do that? Why can't we get along? Why? It's all her fault. It's all his fault. All we do is complain about the spouse that God has given to us. Rather than being a good steward. Rather than praying for our spouse. We'll complain to God about our spouse. Why did you give me this woman? Why did you give me this man? Instead of saying, God, make me a better spouse. Make me a better husband. Help me, to, like Mike said in his community meditation, help me to love my wife as Christ loved the church. Help me respect my husband as you call me to do. Help me to honor him as you have called me to do. Help me to love her as you have called me to do. Rather than complain and to gripe to everybody else, let's talk to God and say, God, make me a faithful spouse. Make me faithful. Maybe it's as a parent. You need to be a faithful parent to your children, whether they're grown or still living at home. How can you be a faithful parent to your children? Raising them to know the Lord. When, Christ, when we stand before Christ at the end and he says, what did you do with all that I gave you? What did you do with that job? What did you do with your kids? What did you do? How did you treat your parents? How did you do in school? How did you do at work? How did you do in your marriage? I gave you all of these gifts. I gave you all of these blessings. How did you do? Were you faithful? Is Christ going to say, well done, good and faithful husband. Well done, good and faithful wife. Well done, good and faithful student. Well done, good and faithful employee. Well done, good and faithful parent. Well done, good and faithful Christian. That's the words we want to hear. So to finish faithfully, we must live faithfully. And to finish faithfully, we must press on. Life is hard. Thanks for the revelation, Sean. A truly a Holy Spirit-inspired moment of clarity. Life's hard. Life is hard. Things don't go the way you plan. Things don't turn out the way you want them. Somebody gets sick. Somebody gets hurt. You lose a job. You lose a child. Life's tough. And it just downright stinks sometimes. How do you handle adversity? As you're running the race of life, 
and you hit that pothole in the road and you trip and you fall and you scrape your knee, how do you deal with that? How do you handle the potholes in the road of the race of life? How do you handle the speed bumps? How do you handle the hills when it just seems like you can't give anymore? How do you handle the cramps in your leg when they come along? The author of Hebrews said we need to fix our eyes on Jesus who for the joy set before him endured the cross. He endured, he persevered, he pressed on through the cross. Why? Why did Jesus press on? Why did he persevere? Why did he endure through the cross? Because of his incredible love for you and me. Because of God's unconditional agape love for you and me. Because God loved us so much that he sent his son to die for our sins. He gave up his life for us. He died for us because he loves us so much. He gave up his life for us. He suffered and he died for us. He died for you. He died for me. Because he loves us so much. He endured the cross. He endured the nails. He endured the spear. He endured the whipping. He endured the crown of thorns. And he did it all for us. He pressed on. He persevered. He didn't give up. And he asked us to do the same. We fix our eyes on Jesus and we don't give up. When we hit the potholes, when we get the cramps, when we're running through the, through the gauntlet of life, when we're running the marathon, when we're running the race, there will be days when we fall and we trip and we don't know if we can get back up. But we press on. We persevere. When the hardships of life come along, we say, I am not going to give up. I am not going to give in. I am going to keep running this race. I am going to keep going. I am going to do this. I will run this race. I will win the prize. And I will hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. There's a video I want you to watch. It'll be up on the screen in just a second. And it's all about finishing the race. At number 28, an Olympic image that if you watched it at the time, Barcelona 1992, will live with you forever. Derek Redmond, the best form he's shown since he broke the British record. Redmond to aim at, and so too in lane number three is Steve Lewis, but Redmond's got off very fast indeed, and so too is Ismail of Qatar. Down the back straight, he's the fractional leader. Part of Nigeria has gone very quickly, and Redmond has broken down. He's on the track, kneeling down, and Derek Redmond, on his injury problem, the jinx has struck again.
or whatever happens, he had to finish, and I was there to help him finish. I intended to go over the line with him. We started uh, his career together, and I think we should finish it together. tripped and he fell his leg cramps up and his father comes out of the stands and he picks him up and he carries him across that finish line and my friends when you fall you may be able to see the finish line in sight and it seems like it's a hundred miles away and when you fall and you trip and you're cramped up and you don't know if you can make it, that's when your Father, your Heavenly Father, right there by your side, picks you up and says, let's do this. We can do this. And we will. I don't know what you're going through. This morning, right now, there where you're sitting, you may be sitting on the ground going, I can't do this. I can't make it. I, I can't. And your Heavenly Father wants to pick you up and carry you across that finish line. And He will. Because He loves you and He is your Father. And waiting at the finish line, waiting at the finish line, with arms wide open, is your Savior ready to welcome you home and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Heavenly Father, thank you for the finish line. That we do not run in vain, that we do not run without the promise of a prize, but the Heavenly Father, you will help us finish faithfully this race of life, this marathon of faith. Help us, God, in our moments of weakness, in our struggles, in our difficulties, when we're falling and, and tripping and when we're hurting, when our legs cramp up and we just feel like we can't go on. Pick us up. Carry us. Carry us all the way to the finish line that we might hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. May we trust in you. May we lean on you. May we find our rest and our refuge and our, our shelter and our strength in you. Thank you for being our shield, for being our fortress, for being our Father. We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.